Well, Lord willing, we will finish the book of 2 Timothy this morning, and we're in chapter 4. I'll go back to verse 16, although we looked at that briefly last week. We'll start there and read through the end of the chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. At my first defense, Paul said, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greek Prisca and Aquila in the household of Anisiphorus, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. This is God's... Amazing, powerful word, and may it do its work in our hearts today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of having a copy of the word of God in our hands. May you write it on our hearts, and may we live it out and proclaim it, Lord, in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So as many of you know, when Paul wrote this Last, very last of his letters, uh, and this one to Timothy, his disciple, who was himself a pastor, a preacher. Uh, he was in prison. He was in a dungeon. He was uh, in Rome, awaiting the trial that would lead to his execution. If you look at verse 16, <clears throat> when he spoke about his first defense, it seems like that uh, he was mentioning a previous trial, probably a preliminary hearing before the magistrate. And at that initial hearing, none of the believers in Rome stood with Paul. For whatever reason, they, they forsook him. And that must have been a hard pill for Paul to swallow. But it did not make him bitter. Notice that. Um, hard things and rejection... And uh, lack of love and support from others does not have to make you bitter. And Paul responded with much grace. He said, may it not be charged against them. Uh, and, and in spite of the fact that no one was willing to stand with him, he said, but the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. The Lord Jesus uh, gave him all the support that he needed uh, do you ever feel like Paul or maybe like Elijah who thought he was all alone and that there were no, no, no one else to serve God and he was the only one left? Uh, do you ever feel that you are alone in facing your problems? Well, if you belong to the Lord, you're not alone. He stands with you. If you stand for Christ, you might stand alone with regards to others around you, but you need to know you are not alone. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6 says, Be strong and of good courage. 
Do not fear or be afraid, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And that's the message of this section today, that Jesus Christ will never forsake those that he purchased with his blood. He wouldn't forsake Paul. He stood with him, and he will stand with us. And I want to look this morning at three ways in which the Lord stood with Paul and therefore will also stand with us. And first, Christ stood with Paul in order to strengthen him. He said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Um, We all need strength. But you need to know that the Lord doesn't strengthen those who already think they're strong. Uh, Isaiah said he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. And so you have to come to that place in your life. And Paul had already learned that lesson from the Lord. And he had to learn it through a trial. He said, the thorn in his flesh, which we don't really know exactly what it was, but God spoke to him at that time. Paul had prayed three times to take it away, whatever that was. And the Lord responded, my grace uh, is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I will strengthen you, Paul, uh, through this trial, if you will acknowledge your weakness. And so Paul learned that lesson of of walking uh, by faith in the Lord, even when he didn't have relief and he couldn't see a way out or a way forward. You know, and sometimes instead of trusting in the Lord, we trust in other things, don't we? We misplace our confidence. We trust in our feelings and, and, and they bring us down. We trust in our circumstances and our circumstances change all the time. We trust in our reason, our ability to figure it out. I can figure this out on my own. But God says, trust in the Lord. With all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. So what are you trusting in this morning? Are you trusting in the only one, the only thing that is trustworthy? That is God and his son, Jesus Christ. He's promised to stand with you and strengthen you for whatever it is that you are facing right now. Paul receives strength according to verse 17 for a particular purpose. So that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. So at the very end of his life, he's still thinking about the the very reason that God had saved him and called him, uh, that is to preach the gospel fully to the Gentiles. And he hadn't given up on that yet. He wasn't through doing that, even though he was in a dungeon. You might think, well, it's over now. Paul might think that, but that was not true. Um, Though he was in prison, we know he witnessed to the guards, to the Roman guards, and the gospel spread throughout the household of Caesar that way. And we know when he went, whenever he was on trial, if you read the book of Acts, you see many instances of when Paul uh, shared and proclaimed the gospel to those who were putting him on trial, to the to the authorities that were there, and so he he understood that. Even before he was going to be executed, there would be one more opportunity to preach the gospel uh, at that final trial. And he saw it as a fulfillment of his calling, God's calling on his life. And so you and I need to understand that in God's that God's providence in our lives often seems to disrupt our plans. But it's often the way uh, that he actually is fulfilling his plan. Um, 
we have we have our plan right of how our day is going to be and we get disruptions uh, sometimes uh, we think you know you know that that, that that it's it's a bad thing um, but God is in control and so trust the Lord uh, to strengthen you and uh, that you might be faithful also to confess faith confess Christ by faith in your own trials Paul had his own trial his own unique trial, and you will have your own unique trial. The issue is, will we confess Christ in that trial or not? And Paul was determined to do so. And he was strengthened to do so. You will need strength as well. And and God will give it to you. Uh, because Christ is standing with you, he will give you strength. And secondly, uh, Paul said the Lord stood by him, and that the Lord uh, delivered and would deliver him. Uh, he said, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. So there was, for Paul, a past deliverance. I was delivered. And it's hard to, to know for sure exactly what this deliverance was, but uh, to be delivered out of the mouth of the lion uh, might be taken literally because, you know, we know about uh, the saints of God, uh, Daniel being in the lion's den, and, and uh, in the early days of Rome, they through the Christians to the lions, but actually Paul was a Roman citizen and that was not allowed. So we know that was not <clears throat> a literal statement here from Paul. Uh, it was a, simply a way to say that, that the Lord had delivered him from either from a death or some danger that he was in. And, and, you know, so what we see here is that past deliverances are things to be remembered. And, and treasured and held in our hearts. You see, when we forget past mercies and deliverances, uh, that's when we get into trouble. And when the Israelites uh, forgot God's deliverances, that's when they went astray. And in Psalm 78, we read, How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. You see, they forgot the past deliverance, the, the mighty deliverance out of Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea on dry land and all of that. Uh, and, and notice, it says they tempted God by limiting him. By limiting him. We limit God when we, when we forget his power and we, uh, when we don't rely on his power to deliver us. Uh, from temptation or or to uh, strengthen us and rescue us from danger. So the Old Testament prophet Daniel, as I mentioned already, uh, he was thrown into the lion's den and God delivered him. And in Daniel 6.27, even the pagan king Darius <clears throat> remarked, he said, Daniel's God is the living God. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has... And who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So do you remember God's deliverances in your own life? Maybe you can recall a time when God delivered you uh, from some sickness uh, or danger in your, in your life. Or in, and of course, the greatest deliverance of all is that when God delivered us from our sins and saved us, by his grace, do you remember when God did that in your own life and how he did it? 
Well, in in Second Peter two verse nine, uh, here's what Peter had to say about deliverances. He says the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust under punishment. Well, so God has has saved us from our sins, but He continues to deliver us daily from temptation and also trials. Paul was confident, uh, based upon his previous deliverance, that God would deliver him in the future. He says, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. How could he be so confident? Uh, Well, God wants to build your faith. He wants to give you that confidence that you will also be delivered from, from evil. Uh, and, and so I think Paul did not mean that God was going to, you know, save him from every hardship or every difficulty. Yes, out of some of those, he was delivered, many of those. Um, but he knew he was going to die. He knew that was coming. And um, it was, remember what Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, so, so Christ taught us to pray not to be delivered from every uh, hardship so we live an easy life, uh, but primarily to be delivered from evil. And Jesus would never have taught us to pray for something that he was not intending to, to grant to us, right? If Jesus tells you to pray about something, you can be confident if I pray about it, he's going to answer, he's going to hear Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think some Christians, are uh, they, they repeat that prayer, but they don't really believe that the Lord is going to deliver them. They feel like their sinful impulses are too strong, uh, that temptation is too powerful, and uh, they just don't believe they're going to be able to do it. Well, if you keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you understand and believe his word, then he will keep you. He will deliver you. Uh, he has conquered evil. He's conquered the devil. Uh, and in Romans 6, you know, Paul says, sin no longer has dominion over you. It's a matter of faith, uh, believing these things. 1 John 5.18, it says, We know that everyone who's been born of God does not sin, meaning does not continue in sin as a way of life. But the one who is born of God, that's Jesus, keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. Christ delivers us from the evil one, from the temptations of the evil one. Uh, he cannot touch us. Uh, a few months back we were in 1 Samuel and we looked at uh, David when he fought with the giant Goliath. And Goliath really represented evil, the forces of evil. He, he really was a satanic figure, if you will, and because he, he blasphemed God. And uh, defied him. And David said to Goliath, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. Those were the past deliverances that David had experienced. The Lord who delivered me from them, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so that's the confidence that you and I can have as we face evil, as we face our, uh, sinful temptations and sinful uh, things in the world. Uh, The God who delivered David, the God who delivered Paul, uh, will deliver you from every evil thing. At last, thirdly, in our passage, Paul said, The Lord stood by him and strengthened him uh, in order to preserve him. There's a difference between deliverance and preservation. 
Verse 18 continues, the Lord will preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Uh, He knew that Jesus Christ would preserve him until he reached heaven. Um, You know, the question is, okay, I've begun life as a Christian, but will I make it to the end? Uh, Will I get to heaven? Will I make it in the end? Well, this statement of Paul's is what I call an eschatological, soteriological, triumphant declaration. All right? Uh, That's a a nice way of saying that uh, in the end, every sinner saved by grace, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, uh, will make it to heaven. You will be saved. You will persevere. You will be preserved. Uh, You know, God determined before the foundation of the world that Paul would be saved, uh, would be saved in a certain way on the road to Damascus with the bright light and the voice from the Lord. And uh, he would fall to the ground and Saul would would respond to him and so on. And and from that point on, uh, he becomes the Apostle Paul. He's called to preach the gospel, called to be an apostle. And Paul was also ordained to faithfully carry out that task of preaching and leading the church. And now he's at his life's end, facing execution. He too may have began to wonder, you know, has God abandoned him? But no, he didn't believe that at all. He knew that the work God had begun in him, uh, that that he would carry it out uh, until the very end and bring it to completion. He said that in Philippians 1.6. He says, you know, he who began a good work and you will complete it until the day of Christ. He believed it for others and for himself. You know that God does not save partially. He does not save temporarily. He saves wholly and he saves eternally. Uh, but some will say, well, Paul could have turned away. He might have turned away at the end and, and could have lost his salvation. No, says Paul, he will preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. And, and part of, of God's saving grace operates in, in a way that we like to refer to as the perseverance of the saints. Uh, our confession of faith puts it like this. All those whom Christ died for, who were effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace but shall certainly persevere unto the end and be eternally saved. Notice it says you cannot either totally or finally fall away. There are partial t- there are times when we turn away and fall away, but it's temporary. It's partial. It's not complete, and it's not final, because if you're in Christ, it's never final. Uh, the Lord will uh, enable you to persevere to the end. So this doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, it's not a mere theological point for scholars to discuss in their ivory towers. It's a bedrock truth. It's a pillow for you to lay your head on at night to find comfort and peace so that you can sleep at night knowing uh, that you will be preserved until the very end. It, it you know, I think this doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, we could say it equally well and maybe better as the preservation of the saints because it's God's work. Left to ourselves, we would not persevere. We'd give up. We've felt like giving up many times, but the Lord won't let us. 
He's preserving us. And, and since he preserves those whom he has called, you and I, every blood-bought Christian, will persevere until they're safely home in heaven. And now none of us knows the day in which we are going to depart this world. But some of us in this room are perhaps closer to the end of our lives. And this truth, you see, is a great support for you as you face uh, the future. Um, everyone who knows Christ will be preserved. The weakest saint, as well as someone like Paul, who really would have said and did say that he was weak. Uh, there are no uh, strong Christians in that sense. There are only those who know their weakness. So it doesn't matter who you are, if you've trusted Christ, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. He's going to carry you and see you through. In John 17, 11, Jesus was praying for his church, praying for us, for, for future saints, as well as the, the disciples that were with him. And he said, Holy Father, keep through your name those you have given me. He prayed that for you if you're a Christian. Keep through your name those you have given me. Do you think Christ's prayer will go unanswered for one that belongs to him? Do you think that prayer will go unanswered for you? It will not. Absolutely not. I like the way Pastor Jeff Thomas put it. He says, the Lord Jesus will bring us safely to the place where now he is reigning in glory to a new heavens and new earth, and there he will deal with what is left of your doubts and imaginations and guilt and grief. He will deliver you from all of that and make you a holy and loving and good through and through and through so that uh, not a single cell of unrighteousness will be left in your body untransformed. And every brainwave will vibrate with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self control that's your future if you're in christ and it was paul's hope it's the hope of every believer in jesus christ and and what a truth to rejoice in to bring assurance uh, to our hearts and it's no wonder that paul immediately wrote after that to him be glory forever and ever amen whenever paul began to reflect on god's amazing grace uh, he broke out in praise and so God's glory won't go to the apostles. It won't go to the prophets of the Old Testament, to Moses or Abraham. It won't go to the angels. The glory won't go to you and me. It won't go to the preachers uh, in this world. It will go to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The glory will be God's alone. He alone has saved us and He alone keeps us. And after this, in verses 19 to 21, then, then, then Paul does like he often does towards the end of his epistles. He gets personal and he passes on some greetings uh, uh, to those who uh, were with him. And, and he delivers greetings from others whom Timothy would know. And you see, what he's demonstrating for us is that relationships, people in the body of Christ, and those relationships are important. And that's one of the things that... You know, when, when we are here in the sanctuary of God, when we are with the people of God, it's, it's such a, a huge thing because it, it enables us to at least maintain 
connection with one another. And so <clears throat> that's why the Bible tells us uh, to greet one another with a holy kiss or greet one another with a kiss of love. Uh, so when we come to church, um, we need to, to linger a little bit if we can. Uh, try not to hide in the corner and let nobody notice you. Uh, we should be greeting one another, encouraging one another. And I know that some people are shy. I, I understand that. And, uh, but let me say this, that every member of Christ's body matters. You matter to this church. You may not think you do, but you do. Uh, you matter to Christ, and therefore you matter to all of us. Verse 21, Paul says, Do your utmost to come before winter. That's just such a pitiful, sad thing to hear from the great apostle. Please come before winter. He already talked about needing his cloak because he would be cold. And uh, more importantly, Paul needed Timothy. He wanted Timothy's personal presence. He loved Timothy. And Timothy uh, loved him and needed Paul. Uh, And time was running out. If he didn't come before winter, he wouldn't be able to travel. And it might be too late. He might not ever see Paul again. You see how important it it is for us to love one another, to pursue uh, uh, fellowship with one another while we have the opportunity. Um, it's so easy. We do this with family, of course. We do it with the family of God. We take each other for granted. Um, If there's something on your heart that you want to share with someone or something you need to confess, uh, go to that person now rather than later and say what you need to say. Do you need to talk to someone? Make a visit. Make a phone call. Um, Write a letter. Do it before it's too late. The, the people in your life that God has put in your life, they are those relationships that you, you and I should never take for granted. And Paul didn't do that, and we shouldn't either. And finally, in verse 22, he ends with two blessings, two benedictions. And the first blessing is, is actually in the singular, and it was for Timothy personally. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And the second one is you, and it's a plural you. It's you all. And it is therefore intended, you see, for the whole church. He he could have said, or it could have been translated, grace be with you all. So it was a very personal, individual letter, but he always had the church in mind and and was concerned for, for all of them. And, and, of course, it's fitting that the apostle of grace would finish uh, his last words uh, with uh, uh, an emphasis on grace, a desire for grace to be with his people. Someone said that grace is the word in which all Paul's theology is distilled. Grace be with you. That means that God's grace is, is for you. It's, it's for us all. Uh, He saved us by grace. He's going to enable us by grace to to keep following him, to persevere. And he will bring us by grace uh, to the heavenly kingdom above. And and so why why, why do we have this grace? So that we might glorify and enjoy him forever. It's all to the praise of his glorious grace. So if God has saved you. He's going to continue that work, and our response is to praise him, to trust him, 
not to limit his power, but to know that he's able to do far more than we could ask or think. He will give you the strength uh, to do his will and to honor him in whatever situation you find yourself in. So I want us to pray uh, together, and I want you to pray uh, with me to, uh, to come to him with whatever it is that's on your heart that you think is just too, too much for you to handle, uh, too great for you. Uh, And let's commit that to the Lord right now. Let's pray. Fathers, we think of Paul, the great apostle, uh, languishing in a Roman dungeon. Uh, It didn't look, things looked very bleak for him. Uh, There wasn't any hope that he was going to escape. Uh, He was going to die. But, Lord, he was going to die for you. He was dying for the gospel. He was suffering for the gospel. And that's the greatest and most honorable thing that one could do. And Lord, you've called us to suffer in various ways. And Lord, you've done that. You've allowed us to suffer and to go through what we're going through now. Because you want us to honor you in that trial. So Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every person that's here today. Lord, Only you really know the burdens that we carry, and we all carry them. We carry great burdens that we think that are too heavy for us. But, Lord Jesus, you said, come to me, and I will take your burdens, and I will give you rest. So, Lord, help us to trust in you today. We lay those things before you, knowing that you, Lord, can do all things, and with you nothing is impossible. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today who has not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved from their sins, that they will know today, as soon as they call upon you, you're ready and willing to save them, to give them eternal life as a free gift, and to change their life. Lord, so I pray that someone might come to know Christ even as a result of hearing this message today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.